we load the old one. Everybody, oh, we load Oreo. the old one. What, is, what are you talking about there, Fred? That's a Wizard of Oz song that everyone thinks they're saying Oreo or something, but... Uh, I believe they're saying, oh, we loathe, L-O-A-T-H, the old one. They're talking about the L-O-A-T-H-E. witch. L-O-A-T-H-E? E, I don't know. I'm from Braybrook. I can't spell. Anyway, that's an interesting introduction to the show. Pottoms up. Fred, pottoms up. we are, episode nine. Imagine that. Anyways, we'll introduce ourselves. This is Fred, the grassy troll, coming at you, episode nine, and my dear friend, Blato across the way. Hello, good to see you again, Fred. Off to my right is Nobs, the engineering guru, the guy who makes it happen, the man behind the curtain, since we're talking Wizard oh, of Oz. Oh, I love that. I love nice. that. Nice. I like it. Good to and, be here. And we have a special guest today. Um, uh, she goes by the name of Bucket. Hello. And, uh, Hiya, Bucket. Welcome. Um, Bucket is here really uh, for... Um, Two reasons, uh, the beer being the first, and then the second will be kind of our second half topic, talking about live music and concerts, because uh, Bucket is a concert aficionado for sure, expert in the field of live music. And there is a third reason, we love hanging with the Bucket. Yes, we do love <laughs> hanging with the Bucket. So, that's probably number one, so right. we should move it up to one, the other two are just incidentals of, of the evening, <laughs> consequential. No, just Wandered in there. Yep. Um, so let's go with the beer first. Yeah. Let's what do we got out of the treasure trove, Fred? Come on, baby. Let's get this started. Light my fire. All right. Well, we are uh, revisiting Dragon Mead Brewery, which uh, we all love, and uh, find ourselves today with Final Absolution. It's a Belgium style triple ale. What are the stats on this? Any idea? Uh, I think it's a 10% beer, so as you would say, we're not kissing our sister. No sisters tonight. Got, got some kick in this one. Uh, but I don't know grandma. what the IBUs are. Being a triple L, I think it's fairly hoppy. Uh, I do know this about Final Absolution. It's a very popular beer. Knobs, uh, uh, yes. uh, it was his turn to provide the uh, malt beverages. Um, and um, uh, this is probably one that you... Yeah. Enjoy, right? Yes, you, you this, know this is absolutely my favorite Dragon absolutely. Mead beer. Ah. Uh, Eric the Red probably being second. Because we, uh, well, we had a, last week, two weeks ago, I think. Um, it was pretty recent. Yeah, it was like two weeks ago. I've had a craving for Dragon yeah. Mead since that night, so I picked this up. Um, and it's it, it's common in a lot of bars on tap, you know, all those kinds of things. If I remember right, it used to be a lot stronger. And oh. then they had to actually weaken it because it was too strong. Oh, factoid. I, love I think it. he was right. I think it was like 11 3 or it was, At it least. was pushing 12. Yeah, so. so let's uh, get him opened up. Bucket, what do you think of our opener? I actually heard you talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in one of the past episodes. <laughs> now I get the real visual. <laughs> and it had this pesky little magnet on it. All right. Uh, bottoms up, everybody. Bottoms up. Let's give this thing a whirl. Mm. E yum. Ah, yeah, I think so. Nice selection there, knobs. Uh, but how about we let the the guest go uh, with, <laughs> with her impression first? Bucket. Well, what, what do you think? I have to provide a disclaimer that I don't drink beer. <laughs> <laughs> You're a bit more of a vodka person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's 
kind of bittery. <laughs> uh, then, then, then you need to have more bottoms up beers because <laughs> this is pretty low on the bitter scale, right? When you, I, I, this is yeah, you know, yeah, this is actually kind of smooth. <laughs> I had a vanilla porter earlier today, and um, it was quite bitter. So if I have any of that lingering along, that makes this one. I, I thought this was going to be much more shocking. To the me, taste me too. It's actually pretty smooth. And, and, and maybe it's uh, maybe it's the right temperature this time. Mm. <laughs> you mean <laughs> private below, joke? Below fifty. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what what do you think of it as far as just in general? It, is it offensive? Is it enjoyable? Would in, in the bottom line with us is is it for you? It's almost as strong as a glass of wine. <laughs> yeah. I right. would say it's not for me, but I can see why beer drinkers would like it. Because it does have flavor, mm-hmm. but too bitter. Too bitter me. for you? <laughs> okay, so not for Bucket. <clears throat> uh, it's for me for sure, and and surprisingly, I didn't I didn't uh, didn't know I'd like it this much. It definitely is for me as well, and I, I think I'm mentally comparing it to getting it on draft. There, it's like one of those things. I think I like it better there than here. But either way, it definitely is for me. So, bottoms up. Bottoms up. I would stay. I, I probably veered away from it on draft, and now I certainly would not. You know, and knobs. Uh, mm. It's obviously for you. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I do like how. Finally, absolutely. <laughs> it, it does have a lot of flavor, but it's not bitter. It is smooth. It's very drinkable. This will sneak up on you and kick you in the head at ten percent. <laughs> yes, it will. You have a yes, couple of will. these, and you won't. You won't. Well, we're only hoping. Sneak, sneak, you know. sneak. <clears throat> Let's go. Sneak up on me. Let's go. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's when we'll, when when Bucket will finally enjoy it when it's snuck well, up we'll, on her. We'll get her like through half that <laughs> bottle. And then, then we'll take we'll her re- temperature again. We'll revisit well, it halfway you know. through. Yeah, we'll revisit it. You keep doing. We don't know. We don't know if she's going to stick around. <laughs> you get these to here. Yeah, we'll I come back and talk to you. Running it up. <laughs> All right. All right. <clears throat> uh, so, are you going to then? Uh, are you going to take off and then rejoin us when we get around to the other topic? Or you... Sure. Either way, welcome with to us. stay. <laughs> All righty. Um, so, Fred, what have you seen? Um, this week on the interweb that you have found interesting. Uh, my phone locked up. Give me one second. <laughs> but I'm back. <laughs> Anyways, I ran, I ran across this uh, meme. And um, it's a picture of a cereal box called Tweeties. And it's got a picture of Donald Trump taking a big dump in an old nasty bathrobe <laughs> while he's doing his Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Take I almost a look. lost my absolute there. <laughs> I've seen that one. Okay. I don't think I have. It says Donald Trump, toxic Twitter addict, fortified with Kofefe, <laughs> available wherever misinformation thrives. Take another look. Oh, yeah. He's a champion. Take he it. Is a I never want to see that again. I don't either. And he just looks so happy and content with his little thumbs moving. Anyways, that's what I had. How about yourself? Anything? Yeah, my meme of the week is uh, not quite as political, but I, when I, when I saw it, it was something that I thought everyone can relate to. Can I, can I backtrack one? Oh yeah, sure. Back to mine. I said it was a box of cereal called Tweeties. It's a takeoff on Wheaties. 
Oh yeah, yeah. It'll so, be on Facebook. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah, but that's good. To, that's good to, to, to clarification. Clarify. I didn't yeah. want to have to do a fact check on that. Anyway, so so uh, my my meme is not nearly as political, but when I saw it, it made me laugh out loud because everyone can relate to it. It's a picture of a guy standing at the pearly gates, probably talking to Saint Peter. Okay. And uh, he has sort of a blank look on his face because St. Peter says, sorry, your username and password don't match. <laughs> <laughs> How many times a day do we get to see that? And, you, you know, you're, you're trying to get into heaven and now you're hitting the forgot password button. Yeah. How, time, how many times a day do I have to fix that? <laughs> <laughs> Move. You see the old yes, yes. Yeah. Gets on yeah, you showed it to me, actually. Yeah. Move. <laughs> That's pretty that, good. That brings some PTSD to me. I thought it was really funny. <clears throat> PTSD. <laughs> um, okay. A um, couple of fact checks from last last week, and um, some of these things I, I, I added. They weren't really necessarily fact checks, but we kind of left them dangling out there. Okay. Um, <clears throat> we talk about the shutdown. In order for the Senate to override the shutdown, it would take nineteen defections. So that's the number when we talked about why isn't the Senate overriding. It would take 19 defections for a veto override. Um, we also talked about how... Yep. That's the Senate, right? Yeah. 19 in the Senate. Yeah. 19 Republican House is, defections. The House is fine, so yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, to get Sorry. to that two-thirds. Um, we talked about how unpopular the wall is, and I quickly looked up a couple of polls on that. Quinnipiac shows only 43% of Americans support it. Harvard, only 44%. Reuters, um, only 35% want to support money going for the wall at this time. Um, and uh, NPR, Marist poll, 28% for the same thing. So it really is unpopular. I saw a poll today, and, and I don't recall the source, but they were saying the polling question had to do with not, not so much this in support of the wall, but shutting down the government for the wall, uh -huh. it was like 26 yeah. or 28%. So it's even worse when you factor in, when you factor in the, the shutdown. They're, they're doing the shutdown, the hostage situation with the shutdown for this wall. So yeah. it even gets worse when you, when you put that element into the yep. poll. So. Uh, you and I were talking about cabinet positions. And um, I thought there was 21, I think is what I said. There are actually yes. 22 cabinet positions. Okay. And then we were talking about how many acting are there. There are eight acting and one that's kind of other. Okay, so let me explain. Um, Russell T. Voigt is the deputy director for the OMB. Okay. Mulvaney has been moved up, right? He's... But he is technically not called an acting director because he was the deputy that would normally so take that So that's normal space. progression. Right. But in some of the articles I read, they referred to him as acting because he would still have to be confirmed. But he's not considered acting, and Mulvaney is still considered in that spot, technically, right? Okay. The other one is the Office of Personnel and Management, OPM, which you might have heard a lot about because the shutdown has a lot to do with that department right now. Um, they are Senate confirmed, but not a cabinet member. And so there's an acting director of the OPM. So that's where you get to nine when you factor in that. But that is not, she, that is not a cabinet level position, but it is a Senate confirmation uh, position. 
Interesting. Interesting. All right. Two other real quick fact checks. Um, we had the uh, our second beer la- yeah, last week was the uh, Keweenaw Brewing Company Borealis Brew, mm-hmm. B R O O with the line over the top of the O's. That is called a double macron. Ooh. That is the grammatical term for the uh, the double line. The, the line over the vowel to accent that kind of French, and then if it's two, it's double macron. Oh. Just like the prime minister or president, Macron. <laughs> right, and I don't know if it's he's a single you know, pronounced Macron. the same way, but it's spelled the same way. Oh, present terrasson, Monsieur. Oui, 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 oui. The the other fact check was on uh, the the same topic with the beer, and we had a pilsner, which was the Purple Gang. Right. At what? From uh, Atwater, at Pur- yep. And I said, why would anyone want to have a craft beer? Have a craft beer as a pilsner, because you could drink a Miller Lite. And then there was a question as to whether or not Miller Lite's a Pilsner. This gets complicated. <laughs> Believe it or not. The first thing I did was I looked at an image of a Miller Lite can. And it says right on the front of the label, fine Pilsner beer. Settled, right? It's a Pilsner. Okay. Fine Pilsner beer right on the label can. If you go to Wikipedia, they call it a lager. And if you go to the beeradvocate.com, they characterize it as an American light lager. Even though it says Pilsner right on the can. Who would have ever thought? And if you go to the Miller Light website, they say based on a 155-year-old Pilsner recipe. Based on. I thought it was going to say, see Wikipedia. (laughs) So... Miller Lite's calling it a Pilsner. Other places are calling it a lager or a light lager. Is there a difference between a lager and a Pilsner? I guess maybe that was the next thing I should have Googled. We'll get back to you on that on next week. What, what knobs? Sounds like a lot of fake brews to me. <laughs> oh, ooh, yeah! Oh, oh right? <laughs> nice. Oh, go yes. clap, go anyway, clap. So, Continuing the puns. I, 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 I thought that was all pretty interesting, that it wasn't all of a sudden just cut and dry. It's a Pilsner. Huh. And, and when we get our... Um, our beer expert in. I think that's one of the things that we can ask him. All righty. All right. To the uh, to the important stuff. Business it's, at hand. It's it, it, all it does is just make me shake my head. Right. I mean, <laughs> you know, we we gave a shutdown update last week because we talked about the yeah. shutdown the week before, and this nonsense is continuing on. Three point And and uh, you know. How this is going to end is is still anybody's guess. There's some things out there, um, you know, that that might get it to end, but it sure doesn't seem that way. So, you know, uh, just a couple of things um, since last week. Uh, The the first is all this talk of national emergency. Um, it's, It's ridiculous that it's not a national emergency, but... You know, Fred, as you and I have been talking all week, maybe it's not such a bad thing if he declares a national emergency and opens the government and then government and people and administrations and lawyers worry about the rest of that crap. Yeah, because if he does declare a national emergency, it's going straight to the courts without question. But that, that gives him an escape hatch. 
the Democrats don't have to give anything up. And then the big winners will be the federal workers who will, will get their divisions right. open back up and, and start getting paid and get things functioning once again. What's interesting about how it ends up in the courts, I think, is if you listen to quote-unquote experts, right? And, and, and some of them are kind of on different sides of the aisle than you might think. Like uh, Napolitano, Fox guy, right? He says Trump has n n no way in, in, in hell of ever getting this through the courts and that uh, the Supreme Court has long legal standing saying even if it's a national emergency, you can't take money from something earmarked for something else and use it for something else on a national emergency. The, the money always has to be allocated by Congress. So that's his position, national emergency or otherwise. And then, you know, they have to use the military and, you know, is that what they're going to do, use to build a wall? So that was his take. Jeffrey Tobin, who's often a guest on CNN or MSNBC, he said the, 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 the definition is so broad over national emergency that it would, that, that would hold up, that the president could do it. And he also brought up another thing, which I, I thought went unchallenged. He said, in order to bring a suit, in order for it to be challenged in court, the plaintiff has to have standing. Well, yeah, that that's, goes without saying. So, so who... Who's the plaintiff with standing? Who's the plaintiff with standing? Now, again, I, the first thing... Define standing, being injured or affected by yes. it. Yes. Okay. See, well, you define standing. <laughs> I, I play a lawyer on TV. <laughs> yeah. No, I just... It suits just, you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the first thing that popped into my mind is Congress. Right? They're usurping congressional power. So that's who I would expect to bring the lawsuit would be Congress. You would no. think. I would think. Can Congress sue the president? I, I believe. Hmm. I, I, I play I, a lawyer on TV, but I'm not really I mean, we, one, we, so I'm not We can sure. kind of put that in the fact check column, but I, I think they did it a lot against Obama. I think a lot of the lawsuits and challenges that, you know, were always trying to reverse his uh, executive orders were always brought by Congress. And they were successful on most of them. Um, Sounds familiar. Yeah, um, okay. Anyway, so, I, I, you know, that those are the two sides, and they're kind of flipped based on their political leanings you know what i mean but um well can i interject a little bit there the, the what i don't understand about this whole emergency national emergency thing is okay he's saying it's a national emergency so if in fact yeah. there is a national emergency do it now right but he is doing it with qualifiers mm -hmm. it's a national emergency if they don't see it my way. If they don't give me my wall, it's a national emergency then. But why isn't it now? Yeah. If it's a true national emergency, throw the switch, let's roll. Why didn't he throw the switch two years ago well, when he took office? When he had all Be branches of the government. There, there, are, there are problems at the border for sure. Oh, yeah, but, absolutely. No question. But they are the same problems that have existed for decades. And in fact, most of those problems have even lessened over the years. The number of people crossing have, have lessened, you know, which always then brings down the rest of it. I mean, I suppose maybe opioid um, uh, infiltration might be higher because that's the drug of choice today, right? Marijuana's probably down. 
used to be higher. So, so that just kind of ebbs and flows with the free market, <laughs> if you will. Yep. But, um, yeah, it's it's really hard to say any kind of emergency other than just what he's trying to to drum up. I heard a politician. I'm not sure who, sure who it was. But they basically said you can't have a national crisis just because you're not getting your way. That, that's mm-hmm. essentially what they said. And that's my opinion. It's like, okay, if it's a real emergency, let's go. Let's do something about it. You know, get things moving. Yeah. Even Lindsey Graham last yes. night, he basically punted because yes. he understands that something has to be done. We need to open the government back up. So he came out and was encouraging the presidents yes. to do it. Let's do declare even though he knows it probably isn't going to fly but i think Lindsay sees it as a way to get things moving in the right direction even if it does fly initially so what like you you know what i mean like let, like let him you know you know play around with his erector sets and and, 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 and legos and, lincoln and, and lincoln logs <laughs> and you know do whatever he wants to do there um Bottoms up. Bottoms up. Uh, and because one of the things about doing it the way he's thinking about doing it is uh, it can be undone as quickly as it was done. And the wall wouldn't be built. First of all, what is the wall? Like, like he's unable to define it. You know, if there are sections of the border that would reduce illegal crossings substantially and have a benefit to America, fine. You know, you need 50, 100 miles of wall in some section that, for whatever reason, the funding run out. I I don't really care that much, (laughs) you know? But just to say he needs X amount, like, you you get the impression he plans on redoing the wall. (laughs) Like, he wants to take the whole thing down, you know? And he still doesn't answer questions about where, how much it's going to cost, environmental impact. There's still no study or data to say that this is what he plans to do with the money. And 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 that's where Congress is doing the right thing by saying, you just want this to fulfill a campaign promise. Right. That's it. Yep. You know? I, I would I would I would guarantee you that in a total border security package. If there was legitimate need to put up more barrier, the Republic, the Democrats would be on board with that. They've been on board with it before. This is about a tantrum. Well, let me ask you a rhetorical question. Have you ever, ever once heard of a construction project that does not have concise plans, mm-hmm. costs, justifications, before they move, especially on something that's five point seven billion dollars. Well, that's just a start. It's it's well, about twenty five billion. Start. To right, do whatever it's you twenty want to, to thirty billion for the total thing. But who additional seven hundred miles or whatever? Who in their right mind would hand over any money without right. a plan? Because depending on the day and which way the wind's blowing in Washington, yeah. this guy's talking concrete, metal slats, play-doh. I mean, <laughs> what the f? <laughs> I mean, you you want you want the Dems to give you the okay on almost six billion dollars, and it's mythical. It, it's it's this thing. This um, what is that? When you're in the desert and you're seeing mirage, mirage. It's it's his mirage. This 
this monolithic yeah. beast for <laughs> exactly his for his is. base. Yeah. Who would give him the money? There's no plans. It's it's in flux. F him. That's what I say. Yeah. No, I I, I agree. One one hundred percent. I'm and, totally and, behind and, the Dems going. And when and and when he stops holding the American people hostage, that's when you can have those conversations. And Pelosi and Schumer, no matter what you might say about their American Gothic performance. Yep. <laughs> the wax museum look. <laughs> they are right on saying, we will talk to you when you open the government. You're not using this now as leverage. That's You, you took this in the negotiations. It wasn't part of the negotiations. And when you give it back, we will have the discussions about what border security means. Until then, we're not. They're basically parroting what McConnell did back in 2013 with the Obamacare mm-hmm. shutdown. Mm-hmm. He said, we'll be happy to negotiate with you, blah, blah, blah. Yes. And it's true. And he was right then, and they're right now. Yep. They can put the government back to work and do their, um, not continuing resolution, uh, spending gap. And appropriations. An appropriation spending That's gap for homeland, yeah. which includes the, the border security. Get, and it, get the eight going yep. and have nine. Give it a time frame. Work on it individually. Yeah. While you're if not, there's, if there's right. a need in there for additional barrier, well, then I'm not that'll, ag- that'll, me, that'll come out. I am not against a barrier, but that barrier is part of a overall package. Yes. Technology, boots on the ground, barrier where it makes sense. Yes. Not 2,000 miles just because your base yeah. gets a woody over yeah. it. No, yeah. sorry. Uh-uh. Uh, so what was uh, what was Trump's latest uh, negotiating? Uh, Butterfingers. Butterfingers, <laughs> that's what it was. Butterfingers. I didn't know what the, what the candy was. That's what it was. I, I, it took me a second to know what you were talking about. I'm like, no, candy. Oh, Butterfingers is a cat. I thought it was some, I don't know, like dirty joke or something. Uh, that, that's what he gave out. Butterfingers. Full size or minis? Probably minis with yeah, him. Yeah, see, he's cheap. Cheap ass. Cheap, you know? He would have his wall ready if he gave out full size. Mm-hmm. It was Butterfingers. <laughs> I'm thinking it's like mints. You know, most you people know, like, hate Butterfingers. It's, it's a very... It's a love it's or a hate. It's a love or hate. It yeah. is a Butterfingers. In my family, there's a distinct Butterfinger how did you? How did you hear that it was Butterfingers? Okay. You would have known too. All right, I got touche on that one. They knew. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I, you know, uh, Trump is going to go on and on and on about this, but to me, it still comes down to McConnell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think it's getting more and more obvious that he's not going to declare a national emergency because he knows it's going to rub the Republicans the wrong way. He knows that the Dems say, fine, whatever. Do whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. um, and, and that's why he doesn't want to go that route. How much longer can McConnell stay this course? The, the, the guy is treasonous. He, he, is, he, he, he is not doing his job. His job is to put forth legislation that his uh, senators representing their states want done. That is his job. It is not to say, I'm only going to do things that the presidents wants. And and for him, and, and where's he at? Like, he, he's been turtled. 
he's inside the shell. Because that dude is is like ghosting everybody. They have these meetings. He's n- has nothing to do with any of the pressers afterwards. Nope. He's gone. Nope. He's supposed to be the leader of the Senate, and he's ghosting. Man, he's just why? Poof. Where are the questions from the press saying why aren't you considering a veto override? I would like to get his take, and mm. I don't. I'm not going to accept from him. I'm not going to put forth legislation that I know the president won't sign. Okay, that's what I would assume his answer is going to be. That is the reason for the question, not the answer for the question, is, you know, well, then why aren't you considering a veto override? That's that, you know, if you think about that, I'm not going to put forth anything that is not going to mm-hmm. because I'm a president. It's like, well, that's a rigged game. I mean, yes, that makes no sense. You need to go through the process. Let him vote and see where we land. This idea that he's got to have the win or he's not going to do it. That's garbage. And in, in the meantime, the House is passing bills. Oh, yeah. Well, now they're doing it one at a time. And and they're heading over there. And and, and he's not putting them on the floor. Yeah. He, yeah. He's derelict of his duty. He, he, he sure. really is. It's, and and, and, and to, to me, it really does. I, I, I don't say this lightly. To me, it is bordering on treason. Yeah. He is not upholding the duties that he was sworn into within that role. That, that role has specific duties, and uh, he is just neglecting them uh, with malice and purpose. Mm-hmm. So. In uh, Chuck Schumer, I'm, I'm a little forgetful on what meeting it was, but he basically said he was trying to pin down McConnell-like, we are passing these bills, yep. why aren't you showing them, and McConnell... McConnell wouldn't even answer. Doesn't him. even answer. He just was staring at him. Turtled. Like, Turtle. He turtled. Yeah. yeah, it was cold outside. I guess. <laughs> but I mean, come on, man! You're the head of the Senate, which is, for all yeah. intents and purposes, is the most powerful branch of the government, if you think about it. And so now we've reached the point where people aren't getting paid. I mean, that yeah. is that that zero point zero zero on your pay. On your pay stub. I, I wouldn't even want to get a pay stub. I mean, that hurts it more. What, Which, to what, me, no. that is the that's the national emergency. Yeah. When you have eight hundred thousand people not receiving a paycheck, that's your national emergency. Yeah, Abs, you were right. Yeah, and, and in fact, I think when you have one person, you know, I, I saw a, a, a online today about a guy who posted his pay stub online saying, you know, willing to put himself out there, name, face, picture, here's my pay stub. He was an air traffic the, controller. The 0.00. It, in no way can I rationalize in my mind that Trump's narcissism and egotistical, you know, crybaby uh, tantrum is worth that one person's paycheck, right? That, that guy is more important to me than... This whole idea of Trump building some mirage that he has, and now you multiply that by eight hundred thousand, and multiply that by another two point five for all of their kids, and multiply that for you know another another ten for all their family members that are also going to have to help and pitch in with, with with these folks that are not getting, and multiply that with all of the other people that are being affected by the shutdown. Yeah. Do you, do you think that air traffic controller is working at 100% not being paid? Mm. 
he said that was for 64 hour time period as well 64 64 hour week this guy's working for nothing controlling flight yeah. above our country i'm like yeah. holy hell you yeah. want this guy upset? Knobs yeah. makes a yeah. great point. I, I, AT, ATC is one of the most stressful jobs right. in the world. You don't need to be stressed about, your, about, yeah. about how, how to now, pay your mortgage. This guy's worried about not yeah. being paid, yeah. his wife, and a soon-to-be child on the way. Yep, I think it was. Yeah. Like, shouldn't she do like next week Yeah, or like real soon. Yeah. Like That's enough on someone's mind, and now he can't make his mortgage payment? But in the world of narcissism, who the F cares? He doesn't care. He, he no, not at all. It means no. nothing. To he him. doesn't care that food inspectors are not inspecting. Bring on the romaine. You know? I mean, <laughs> he doesn't care E-coli, that, that, that the coast Which guards out there risking their life every day. Yeah. You know, not getting paid. He doesn't care that craft beer companies can't are, print their labels. Are or not able no. to introduce new beers into the marketplace. Well, we're concerned about that. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that there's some fallout here. <laughs> Grassy um, troll ain't happy. Yeah, I, I, I did see something that I thought was pretty impactful, and that was federal workers protesting. I think it was in Utah and maybe in Oregon as well. But, I, but, but, but there have been federal protesters now taking it to the streets to bring the camera to them, saying, "This is this is BS." Failing memory again, but right before I left work today, I caught on the news that. There was a federal employees union have filed a lawsuit. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't remember what their union was, but they're filing a lawsuit against uh, the administration. Saying they can't Saying work. that under the... Which labor was, laws or whatever. It was under an amendment that it was oh. unfair labor practices or something okay. along the line. But Fact now check. they're actually suing them. Yeah. I, I don't know if they'll, if they'll win on that, but... Um, no, but I'm it glad. goes along with what you just yes. the the point you brought up that people are starting to protest and now we got well, lawsuits. Well, here's another angle that I was kind of thinking about. These workforces, right? Whether it's TSA, whether it's someone that was furloughed, essential services working, not right. These workforces are not stagnant. People they're hiring all the time. People are quitting all the time for for a lot of different reasons, right? So now you have situations where people are quitting and they can't fill the jobs. You know, they're not who who right now in their right mind would accept a job from the federal government. So so when this thing comes back on board, there's going to be a shortage and not just a shortage of those people that left because of the furlough, but a shortage of those people that were going to leave anyway. So it's really compounded because they would be hiring right now, and yep. now they have no way to retain and they have no way to hire. It it, it 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 just keeps snowballing into a larger problem, and you know, Pinocchio just doesn't get it. Nope. Just doesn't understand <clears throat> it at all. He's so clueless, so out of touch. I did see where uh, the Congress, uh, at least one House, did pass a, a, um, a measure for back pay for for both. Oh, the really? I, had, workers. I hadn't heard that. That was late today. What about contractors? Uh, screwed. So oh. when we were talking about who this is affected by last, uh, or two weeks ago, right? Mm-hmm. We, we put them in two buckets. Right. Those that are furloughed and those that have to work under essential services for no pay right now. There is a third group. Contractors. Federal contractors. And, and that's because the contract house 
if these people right. aren't out working, these guys aren't going to pay them. Correct. So, which is a it it's a pretty sizable portion, and you know the, the you know maybe those contract houses can find other things for those folks to do. We don't know, but it, you know, in many cases they're not, and and they they are absolutely one hundred percent screwed. And think about one more incidental thing, since you're talking about the buckets with the people that are being affected by this. Think about all the places that they spend their money when they get paid. Mm-hmm. The grocery store, their local Starbucks. No, this is this is hurting I mean, the economy. This is ripple effect. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, I mean, it, it's kind of countless if you think about it. It's just one thing after another. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, I, I go back to this idea that this is all happening when it was going to be Mexico that was going to pay for this. This wall, this is, you know, just, just going back to how this whole thing started. He never said they were going to pay for this. <laughs> oh, he said they were never going to write him a check. <laughs> Wrong. It's remarkable. I guess I just shake my head at the con job. When, when I was the con driving, job, the con job was <laughs> fabulous. When I was driving home today from work, I where where he had claimed presidents claimed that uh, he had never said Mexico was going to pay for it. Well, of course they fact check him, and they came up with a little over two hundred instances where he said Mexico <laughs> was going to pay for the wall. <laughs> It, and then he said, well, I didn't expect him to pay me a check or whatever. Well, you're wrong there, too, because he said they could send him a one-time check between $5 billion and $10 billion. It was on his campaign website. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. That's The check was. part? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right, it was on the campaign. It was part of his campaign what? promise. And, and you people are still behind this guy. Please explain to me why. I mean, just why. Well... Hopefully, maybe it's not going to last long. Because there were some other big things that happened this week that aren't about to shut down. Tell me, tell me more. Oh, you know, there, there, were, there, were, there were two really big events that have happened this week, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the first is, uh, did someone say the word collusion? Collusion. Ooh, that, that, that's not against the law. <laughs> uh, sometimes it is. <laughs> and uh, this week... It kind of comes out in this weird sort of way, right, that Manafort was colluding with the Russians by providing them with polling data from within the campaign. Some of the most cherished information and data that a campaign has is its internal polling. That's the top secret stuff. Yeah, that's right. And he's taking that and passing it over to the Russians. Uh, how'd they find, how'd we find out about this? Oh, the lawyers. His lawyers had to do a court filing, and, and there's some kind of software that redacts information in these filings so they can report it to the press, because I guess it's it's public knowledge, even with the redaction. And there's two ways that you can do it. One way truly redacts the text. The it other way... The, te- the text, basically. It gets rid of the text and, and puts replaces a line. it by a black line. Or there's a way that... You have the text, and it'll lay a black strip on top. You highlight it with a black marker. Yeah. (laughs) And then you take away the black marker, and the text is still there. It's there. (laughs) What was your gut feeling, Nobs, when you first heard this story? Because I I know when you heard it, you flagged us both. It was 100% on purpose. Okay. Now, why do you believe that? 
redaction is I, I looked it up and to do it in like Adobe, which is like yeah, Adobe's like the go-to for PDFs. Sure, it's about. Is there another one? Yes. Oh, yeah. No, there's not. No. <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> Don't argue with the not. I'm not going to fact check that. <laughs> it's about four or five clicks. That's including highlighting, and to me, that's like lawyering 101 yeah like if you're gonna do anything you need to be able to redact yes okay. and that's just a few clicks in the most popular software there is in the business okay so th- this this story has so many angles to it if if the redaction was done in a way that it could be unredacted which it was why well one theory i had heard is they were trying to share it with the president and his lawyers they did it on purpose. So it's like, oopsie, we, right. oh, we're old timers. We don't understand how the technology. So in other words, if Mueller is working with the president's lawyer team and they're saying, do you know if Manafort ever shared data from your campaign to the Russians, now the Trump camp, now the, 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 the Trump camp can say, oh, yeah, we knew. Because it's, you know what I mean? He, in, instead of lying and saying, we didn't know. And then all of a sudden this information comes out. So mm. it's a way for Manafort to communicate what he's what 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 the special counsel knows. Right, right. Okay. And that's what, I wasn't following you at first night. And that's you what now. Trump wants, you know, that that's that's what everyone wants to hear, okay. right? What is the what does the special counsel know? And here's another way for for the Manafort camp, um, other than, you know, passing notes between the bars <laughs> or tying it to the pigeon. <laughs> Stay away from the gout. <laughs> well, um, yeah, so in that situation, it's like, it seems like the lawyers did it on purpose as a communication tool. Then there is the, the second argument that they're just doddering old yeah, fools that don't maybe. understand technology, maybe. which I guess is equally plausible. I, I don't know. Yeah. But, in, in but long case, story short, what did it show? It's the smoking gun. If that's what you, that's if, if that's, that's what, what I've heard, want, it. right? I mean, it's there. There was obvious collusion between the campaign, and then you just have to say, okay, did Trump know about it? Did Trump authorize it? You know, and if in fact that kind of information went to the Russians in order for the Russians to help influence the campaign, that's conspiracy. That's fraud against the United States. I absolutely, mean, it is absolutely critical. I I was. Um, um, I was listening to a- Adam Schiff talk about this, and um, Adam Schiff. Uh, <laughs> I would, uh, uh, I would vote for that guy. I would. <laughs> I, I would absolutely vote for that guy. Anyway, and and he kind of summed it up this way: You have the Trump Tower meeting, you have Manafort selling campaign secrets, you have Cohen lying about building a, a, a Trump Tower in Moscow, right. and you have the Russians that are are hacking and using social media to try and influence the campaign. Yes. You can't have all of those things happening and not believe that there, that there was coordination, that this was all just, each one of these things are just individual events. They're not mutually exclusive. They're it, definitely it, it intertwined. It defies logic. Yes. It just defies logic to say, oh, well, you know, who knew? <laughs> you know? <clears throat> um so I think uh, um, it, it, it's pretty interesting how, how that's going to play out. 
Well, it, yeah. to to me, it it seems like when you're when you're talking about conspiracy, this is the piece of the puzzle that is going to close that circle. There's another angle to this too. Aha! What is that? Who did Manafort intend to be the recipient of the polling data? Oleg. Uh, Deripaska. Deripaska. Right. And, and guess who <laughs> is Me? under sanction from the U.S. Yeah, for now. For now. And now the Trump administration wants to lift those sanctions to the guy that was supposed to be the recipient. Now, we don't even know if he got the polling data, right? Manafort gave it to two Ukrainian guys who... Melenek? Oh, you're going somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> but they were going to pass it on to Deripaska. Right. This Deripaska guy, he comes up everywhere. Man. Right? I, I, He's I, the big aluminum king. <clears throat> Kind of like Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago. How many Russian Chicago? oligarchs are there? Seems like there's about ten that I'm aware of. <laughs> I think there's more. Deripaska, I... though, he's one of the big ones. He, he's like, uh, he's definitely in um, Putin's inner circle, and and it's interesting because he had the sanctions against him and his aluminum empire, and then Mnuchin on the 19th of December introduced. Right. Removing them from sanctions just as Congress is going on Christmas vacation. Because I guess in a situation like this, they have 30 days to respond. And so it was at least two weeks they were on vacation. And then you've got all this um, BS going on with the uh, shutdown. shutdown. So it's distracting Congress and all that. And they, they are looking into it, and they did talk to Mnuchin today. And I heard... What? Yesterday. You can correct me. <laughs> Yesterday. And they did talk to Mnuchin, and uh, he it gave, didn't go well. He gave them nothing. He gave them nothing. They're going to subpoena him. Yeah. I guarantee it. He's going to be back, like, probably next week. Yeah. The, 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 other, the, other, the other big question about the whole, you know, Manafort and, and giving the polling information to the Russians, it's why. Like, like, if there's no collusion, why would he give them this polling data? They were curious? I, you know, what would they do with it unless they were able to use it? Why would you give it to them unless you knew it was of value? So, you know... And the, what the, else do we know about Manafort? <laughs> <laughs> From a financial we, standpoint? We know he looks good in orange. Yeah, he does. <laughs> His hair needs to be yeah, dyed, though. Yeah. But he was nineteen million in debt to who? I think Kalimnik got the name right. Nope. Oh, was it? It was Pasca. Ah, yeah. See that guy it keeps coming up. Nineteen million in debt, and so maybe he was trying to make things right. Yes. By giving up this information. Now, did Manafort get into the position as the campaign manager to just save his own ass, money wise, or? Did he get in there to help Trump and save his ass money? I don't know if he really wanted to help Trump. I don't. I'm not so sure. I buy that. But I think that he saw an opportunity to get himself out of debt. You know, because he was getting paid like two million, three million from these, you know, foreign contracts, the foreign agent stuff. It takes a lot of two million dollar paychecks, especially when you're living like he did. To get to uh, to clear a nineteen million dollar debt, right. I know? have the same problems. I, I can re- I can relate. 
knobs you can adjust. <laughs> a few garage sales. Yeah. And and you're all set. Walk some dogs. <laughs> a few zero paychecks. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, you know, we had an episode that was basically about Occam's razor. And if you look at... Most obvious. Most of, yeah. What, what is the, the most obvious explanation for all of this? And... Oh, what? Manafort did the campaign manager job for free. Yeah. Got to yeah. remind people of that. He, he said, I'll be your campaign manager for, for free. free. <laughs> Interesting. Um, the other thing that is there, there's this kind of tie-in is, you know, go back to the Trump Tower meeting. Yep. And um, that lawyer that was sitting there, too. Uh, uh, Natalia Vestalyska, but I'm not going to try and go there, right? She's in the meeting, and now she's been indicted on other charges. Obstruction of justice. And so now you have eight people in the meeting, and two of them are either indicted or found guilty. That's 25% of that meeting. <laughs> the rest, another 30% of that meeting was Trump team. <laughs> <laughs> How crooked do you have to be? Like, this is a cabal of thieves. That's what you have here. It, it, it's, it's just shocking, the players that have been involved in this. It, 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 it really boggles the mind, and it's not like this wasn't known. That's part of the problem that we have today. Right? Right. I, I mean, we knew, all, including Trump. All these players are dirty. That's why we didn't want them in government. That's why we fought so hard to try and convince people not to vote that way. Well, no collusion, though. Perhaps, perhaps we will be saved by Mueller. Uh, perhaps we'll see. I, I, I don't. I, I, I don't know if he's going to be. You know, the the, the knight to come riding in on, on shining armor, but we can hope. Um, he did extend the grand jury for six months, mm -hmm. and I think that says a lot. Um, I, I, I got to believe that he wouldn't do that if he was really wrapping things up and that there's a lot still that he wants to look at. Uh, it's probably setting the grand jury aside for the final and the big dogs. Yeah, yeah. The, he, uh, you know, I don't know if you Kushner's, the... Donald Trump Jr.'s, yeah. uh, the Roger right. Stones of the world. So right. Jerome Corsi. Corsi. And then hopefully uh, DJT, the president. Uh, I don't know if you know this about me, and, and now I'm sure you don't. Uh, I sat on a grand jury. Oh. It's no, pretty, I, pretty fascinating. I, Longer story, um, but they are pretty fascinating. Each state has their own rules about grand juries. Um, uh, the one I was at, you only sat 13 weeks. So... 25% of the year? Oh, every Wednesday for 13 weeks. Um, but if there was a significant case, then you would be held over because they wanted to continue. So uh, the Washington grand jury, uh, Washington, D.C. grand jury, I don't know if they're sitting over. Um, if, they, if it's been the same grand jury for two years and he just keeps holding them over, that's... That, they can only go 18 months. Yeah. So that... So, so, so each aspect of the case has to be because you don't want to start over again. No, you know, with the new with the new grand jury. But 
Uh, I will share my grand jury stories another time. Yep, they can go know. 18 months and then they have to bring in a new one. <clears throat> um, and, and, you know, we just have to hope that Mueller's going to stick around, right? Uh, you know, that, that Barr isn't going to do something radical and chase him away. Rosenstein says he's going to be there, correct? Right. Um, even though there's lots of, you know, all the reports about him leaving, he says he's going to be there till the end. Uh, let's hope that he does and that he can he can keep the Mueller investigation going. Do you think the the bar confirmation is a slam dunk just because there's the yeah, votes I do. in the Senate? I just think Senate confirmations are. I, I still see them as as dog and pony. You ask some tough questions, but you vote because that. Unfortunately, it's standing. You know, unfortunately, it's it's legacy. The president nominates somebody, and you put them up. What what what's more likely to happen if the guy isn't right, guy or gal, isn't right, then they withdraw. If they know they're in for that tough fight, they don't want to get the thumbs down vote, so they end up withdrawing. There's lots of precedent there. There's very little history of people not being confirmed that wanted to go through the process. You know what I didn't know about Barr? I mean, everybody, well, if you're a political interested person, everybody knows about Barr with that dossier or whatever Mm -hmm. it was he he had sent to the DOJ about how he... uh, Yeah, it was like a weird resume kind of thing where he was saying, this is the way I believe. But last night, watching Rachel... And she said another interesting thing about him. Back in the Iran-Contra deal, he was, uh, I believe, the AG back then. And when uh, Bush won, pardoned everybody that was still left and in trouble, guess who was there as the, uh, the advice person to mm. Bush? It was, it was Barr. It was Barr. He was responsible for getting Bush to push through and pardon all the people who were still in trouble on the Iran-Contra thing. It's like, eh, that doesn't give me a warm fuzzy. No, not not at all. I mean, no. a lot of people are trying to it's blow... It's a power monger. Well, a lot, of the, a lot of people are trying to blow off that mm-hmm. dossier. But there's more than that. Right, but th- this guy is hardened, politico. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, Mueller really has to push for an indictment of Trump. I, I agree with because you. I think that's how it's going to elevate this to the public, to Congress, and to make the wheels in motion. Forget the DOJ letter or memo about how presidents should not be indicted. That's garbage. It really is. And, and uh, well, I don't know if it's garbage or not, but it certainly could be tested. Well, I believe in this it's situation garbage because some of the information I had relayed to you is that. This president and his administration have stepped on every norm, moray, yeah. tradition. Yeah, so so why are we holding tra- to any tradition at all? Why would we yeah. Yeah. try to uphold and, something as sacred as, as a memo and an opinion? Screw it. And what is the Bombs White House? away. What did the White House do this week? I'm not sure. Lawyered up, baby. Oh, God. <laughs> Only 17. Which makes a total of... 40, I think. Well, they're at 35. <laughs> okay, I'm rounding they're, up. <laughs> they're looking to get 40 new lawyers in there. But you know what, though? If you think about it, there's been talk for so long that the White House cannot find, like, a big-name mm-hmm. defense um, firm. Yes. 
Who? Wh- what do you think these guys are? <laughs> yeah. All right, they brought in 17 new lawyers. Can you imagine yeah. the credential? Did you ever watch Better Call Saul? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I mean, he might not even yeah. be accepted. You, you know, I mean, he, yeah. they're below Better Call Saul. Do we cheat him and how? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I just when they said they got 17 in one swipe in the last couple of weeks, I'm like, <laughs> what is Joe Pesci and um, uh, what was that movie? Utes. 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 <laughs> what was the movie? Come on, Ralph Macho was in there and uh, Joe Pesci. I have no idea. Come on. I don't know. Fred Gwynn was the judge. I know, I know. I know. Okay, all right, we'll, we'll get back to that. We'll get <laughs> the back to that. The Utes. I guess that's a fact. All right, well, Ralph obviously, Macchio. more to come. More to come. Yes, sir. Stay tuned. But in the meantime, it's time for another beer. <sighs> Absolutely. What do we got? What do we have? What has Nobbs brought for us on our second offering? We have a. 30th anniversary cherry stout reserve. Ooh, it's going to be here because it's That's reserve. So fancy. Ooh. And this is from Bells in Comstock, Michigan. We love Bells. I love Bells. <clears throat> I think we all do. The Bells, the Bells. I love them more. Really? Thumb wrestle. I was How about Indian leg wrestle? Indian leg wrestle. Yeah. No. Between you two, no. go ahead. All right, so cherry stout reserve. What um, do we know about it? Oh, well, hold on. Joining us again. Oh, now, I'm sorry. For our my bad. Half my full paw. Sorry. Is a bucket. Hey and, y'all. Uh, we're gonna have a little conversation about live music and kind of what's been happening in the industry and why it's important to us, for sure, right? Yes. And we may have her hubby, Pig, <laughs> join in occasionally <laughs> if you feel so inclined. He's in the atmosphere. He's in mic range, so you may hear him. If you hear an unfamiliar voice, it's the pig. He's the, <laughs> there he is. He's joined the One Shot Studios. <laughs> Don't say that uh, name. Any stats on this fine offering? Uh, it is a 9.0%. Ah. We had a 10% on now the final I'm... absolution, and we're not taking it down much. One no, notch to 9%. Um there will be no sister kissing here this eve. <laughs> it is a uh, stout, um, so it could be a bitter, but it's probably not too hoppy. I tell you what, um, looking at the label, the label, the label, kind of beautiful. a mouth-watering label. The, I'm, I am so ready for it. The label is what it drew my attention to it. Pig, your thoughts? Nice label. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, uh, who's got I, that church keys? Open them up. Give them a shot. Cherry stouts around. Makes yeah. me think of Traverse City. Uh, Buckets has the price on it. Spent some money on this hey, one. Hey, big there. spender. <laughs> All right, let's see what we think. Hmm. 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 You know, it's always so hard when you go from one to the other. You know, the other was so mellow and it was more mellow, smooth. Yeah. This is a little bitter. Well, y'all are gonna crack up, but I think <laughs> it's more bitter than the last. Oh, oh it is. Without question, this is more bitter than the last. Oh God, <laughs> not even in the same league. I'm, I'm, what is other than the cherry? There's something else there. I'm so bad at flavors, but there's there's something there. I think it's like a. You know what it reminds me of when you get that. Cacao, where it's really high percentage. Cocoa, cacao, the the cacao. cacao. What is it? What cacao, cacao, cacao. What is it? The candy bars. What is it? it, it is that also from Snaggletooth? No. 
C-A-C-A-O. What is it? Caco? Cocoa. It's cocoa. cocoa. It's no, not it's cocoa. cocoa. There's cacao. 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 Is it cacao? Cacao. Cacao. That's how you pronounce it. This reminds me of like a 80 or 85 percent cacao. Yes, and I then, agree with that. And then you get the cherry, and then like there's like the third stage. Is there's a bitterness to it? Yeah. And I'm not sure where it goes from there. I don't know. You know, to have an initial opinion, but then follow up with another opinion as we get closer to the end of the beer. So. We have found that beers like this, your initial tasting of it, you're almost offended a little bit by about half bottle, though. It's like, wow, that it, it's like a totally different beer. Right. And, and you still might not like it. kind of kicks in. <laughs> Liar! <laughs> Throw him out. Get the pig out of here. <laughs> Do not defy the grassy troll. <laughs> no, that's partially true. But um, anyways, so I think this is going to be a beer that we wait to half bottle status and we'll revisit it because yeah. I'm not sure what to say about it right now. If, if, I, if I had to, uh, to, to grade it right now, I, I got to put it in the not for me because my, my criteria now kind of is would I purchase it? Right. Right. Because that would make it for me or not for me. And I'm leaning towards I, I, at this point, I wouldn't purchase this beer again. Okay. You didn't purchase it to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> you may regret. Ooh, I know. We're, we're, we're gonna, gonna, get him out of the studio. <laughs> we have quite the peanut gallery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So we'll we'll come back to this. Mm. Bottoms up, by the way. Bottoms up. I forgot that yeah, part of it. That's oh, right. We're almost to half bottle now. Anyway. <clears throat> On to business. What you got? Well, uh, I think it was, gosh, time flies. Two weeks ago, 10 days ago, whatever it is, I went and saw Greta Van Fleet. And uh, it was a good concert. Um, You know, we could review Greta Van Fleet in many different levels. Um, But it got me thinking about live music and the culture of live music um, today and what it means to, um, I, I guess, you know, society, right? I mean, I don't want to make it bigger than it is, but, um, you know, there's so many options out there for live music and kind of where, you know, people are at on this. And, and, and the music industry has changed tremendously over the last, you know, two decades, you know, even the, even the last decade. So I, I thought it would be kind of a, a, a fun thing to kind of talk about. And that's why we invited Bucket, because uh, she also, like myself, goes to a lot of concerts. Yes, she does. Many of them with Blatto. Many. uh, uh, Some, not always, you know. But, but yeah, we we, we do take in a lot of music. And just sort of, you know, kind of, you know, ping uh, ping her brain a little bit uh, about what what she sees as the state of music. My, My first thought, just to kind of get you going, is... You know, there seems to be, in, in, to put it in two buckets, <laughs> um, there's, you know, those bands that are coming back that are the live, or I'm sorry, the stadium, the big shows, and then there's all this music happening in the smaller venues. And, you know, what it means to go to both. Um, 
you know, Bucket, what's your thought on big stadiums versus smaller venues? Well, I've noticed a lot of the older bands, like Paul McCartney comes to mind. They are, you know, they draw a big crowd, so they have to do the big stadium because they sell out in seconds, even for the big stadiums. So then it comes to me, is it worth it? Like... Like if if I, I'd love to see Paul McCartney in a fifty thousand seat stadium, right? But if he's never going to go there, even though I'd like to see Paul McCartney, is it worth seeing him in a twenty thousand or thirty thousand or even larger forty thousand seat venue? I would say yes because <laughs> I have seen him twice in the past couple of years at large venues, and I personally loved it and it was worth it. But you know, to each his own. Not everyone may think that way. But McCartney does do surprise things sometimes. Like, he'll show up and do... Um, one of the times I saw him was at Desert Trip in California, and he did, like, in the middle of those two weeks, he did, like, this surprise thing at a local bar that was only, like, 500. Oh, I don't see, know the exact so awesome. number, but that, I think it yeah. was, like, 500 max. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, it was just a spontaneous I, thing. You know, people, once they heard about it, they were all lined up, so some of them got cut off, but... I do They'll sort do of things like that. outboard the but. festivals. You know, you mentioned Desert Trip. And when I think about, you know, the live music scene, uh, you know, I, when I said two large buckets, there's stadium tours and concerts, and then there's the small venues, you know. And then there's even a variety with or, or additional kind of concerts on the fringe of those. You have the festivals. True. Right? And, and and that's a different experience altogether. Definitely. You know, and it might be 100,000 people, but, you know, you're there for the festival experience. Yeah. On the other side, you have small venues, you have micro venues, and you also have living room venues. Uh-huh. Correct, Fred? Absolutely. And, and, yes. and now, that's a now, trend. Now you're hitting me. That's where I want to be. I've seen enough big shows, no interest. Give me the 500 seat and down. Uh, you know, if, if Fred took me along to a living room show. Rocky Votolato, one of my all-time I favorites. I knew that's what you were thinking of. Not everyone knows what living room shows are. So, Fred, why don't you explain what living room, <clears throat> room shows Well, these artists that aren't like huge names, but they're well-known enough. What uh, the trend is, is they uh, set up these uh, living room shows and... I can only speak to Rockies because that's the only one I've seen. But they have like usual maximum of 40 to 45 people and somebody has chosen to host it. And It's they, literally in a living room. It, absolutely. It's in someone's home mm-hmm. and they sell like the, the person hosting it gets like five tickets and the other 35 or whatever gets sold off and it's like 20 bucks which is nothing for a show live music and you basically come into this person's home it's it's very on the qt it's quiet you got your ticket you show up and they're right there in the living room they do their hour and a half they then they afterwards they go to the merch table and they sit there and talk with you take pictures to me merch be beyond anything as far as a concert just to get that close like yeah. a person like rocky Votolato, one of my favorites i mean it's like sitting here with you right but so just, that's, that's but that's that, much better than sitting here with, with you <laughs> <laughs> i just want to clarify that point. uh but you haven't been to my merch table <laughs> that's true <laughs> uh 
imagine. I mean, imagine Paul McCartney doing a living room show. I, th- then he, he would might go, be right? able to he, pull it off. Well, he yeah. does do stuff like that, but and it's but he's kind of an exception. I mean, obviously, in some ways, obviously that's the ultimate. It's just not feasible when someone gets so popular. Right. Well, I disagree. I think, though, when a person gets as popular as a McCartney, he can pick and choose what he'd like to do. And if he'd want to do a living room tour, he could do it. Does in... it all become about the greenbacks? No, Maybe no, no, no. no. I, oh, I, 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 well, I do he, not think it has to do with the money. He, that guy doesn't need the money. I think... He tries he to would, please the fans, though, I right. think. And that's, that, that's why my he has point. to go to the big venues, because he's got just too many fans. Oh, he absolutely I mean, his stuff sells out. Like, uh, well, no. it's stupid to say he couldn't pull it off, but I think that would something for McCartney to do something like that, just under a pseudo name. He did an elevator show. Oh, yeah. And on top of the, the building uh, at one point, I remember. Carpool karaoke. Well, did no, but I mean the that? elevator he did with, uh, what's the, the, the talk show host? Yeah, James, James Gordon. Yes. Gordon. Yes. yes. Yeah. That was um, the carpool karaoke. That's another example, yeah, because he showed up spontaneously in a bar in the UK, and but those are those are all the exceptions, right? I mean, what we're right. talking about are, you know, just the plethora of stadium shows versus, you know, going to see, you know, not as well known musicians in smaller venues. That's that's kind of and and you know we've talked about this a number of times. For me, concerts now, in in order for me to spend any amount of money have to be must-see. That's the way I'm kind of characterizing it. And, you know, to, to go to a stadium. And I'm not sure if there is must-see for me in a stadium any longer. Because, you know, another one of... It happened to me uh, 20 or 30 years ago when I saw The Boss at, I think it was The Palace, but I'm not positive. And we were upper deck, and he puts on a great show... And everyone's dancing and rocking and all of that stuff. But I was like, he's so far away. The music is loud, but it's distant. And I felt like I was going through the motions of trying to enjoy this show. So that was the first time I swore off the large concerts. There are definitely trade-offs. Like, I found there's good and bad about both. I mean, there's no doubt the small venues, like, what comes to mind is the uh, 21 Row Live venue We've been to two concerts there, and they were some of the best concerts I've ever seen because it's like 5,000 people, and you get that really up-close atmosphere. Where is this? Grand Rapids, who's Jack Wade. Oh, 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 and, oh, yeah. Uh, and um, Gary Clark Jr., those were two of the best concerts I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Because it was so intimate yeah. and up-close. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can Monroe really 20. see in here. Yeah, 20 Monroe Live. Yeah. But... On the other hand, I've been to big venues that it's a different thing. I mean, I still love those, too, some of the big venues. I struggle. I really, really struggle. I mean, it's it's obviously better. I mean, ultimately, sure, I'd love to see everybody at, like, a 21 Merle Live. I mean, ultimately, the living room venue. But you're not willing to give up. But you're not willing to give up. But it's not feasible sometimes because of the popularity of the artist in their draw they have so many fans that want to see them it's just not feasible yeah. to go to those small see but i'm getting to the point where i'm willing to give up seeing that band because of the venue that's that's kind of where I, you know so i mentioned the boss being the first time that i kind of said this you know great show but i was not part of it so that was the first time i kind of swore it off and now i'm at the second time i swore it off when elo came to town and and they performed at little caesars we had okay seats 
I was glad that I was able to bring my kids. I was really looking forward to seeing ELO, who I saw in 1977 or 76. All that was great. I, 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 maybe I hyped it up too much for myself. The music started. They were great. But I still struggled to really feel like I was a part of this event. And so then it was like, okay, that was a must-see for me. And, you know, it, it, didn't, it didn't click. And I do have one exception to that. And, and, that, and that was seeing Roger Waters at the Palace uh, three years ago. Roger Waters is kind of unique, though, he because he's has like to a, be, if he's, he's doing a Pink visual. Floyd, he you almost have to see large venue with him, and and, if and, he's and doing that was Pink a big, Floyd. and that was a yeah. pig won't fit. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you, pig. Well, Roger Waters is like I'm not a, sure the pig fits right now. <laughs> <laughs> Roger Waters is a visual and audio spectacle, so no matter where he's at. And, and, and he's when gonna I, suck you in. He's when just I think brilliant about, in that sense. And when I think about the Roger Waters show and the concert and the and the stadium or arena concerts, um, I get down to okay, how much of this is cost value, right? Like what you're willing to spend, and what does that mean to you? Uh, you know, I, I had um, uh, lunch today with another one of our friends, the Dill, and. It, you know, his whole perspective was it doesn't really matter as long as you have the right seat. And he brought up some examples where, you know, he's been to some same concerts that I've been to and that he had better seats. And so his concert experience was better than my concert experience as a takeaway. But is that what it should come down to? See, that's where I struggle. Should it come down to who's willing to pay, you know, well, that's you know 250 bucks a seat? Versus those that are willing to pay eighty bucks a seat, does that does that draw the line of your concert experience? I mean, there are definitely some performers where if you're like in the front row or up close, like what the Dill usually does, <laughs> it is it will make a difference. Yes, it's going to be better, but not all performers. I agree that it will make a difference. Like I'm Roger just saying, Waters, should it make a difference, right? I, well, I think Roger Waters, you're actually better off being farther back. Because of all his visual, there's a lot to take like, in. Yeah, I mean, some people have a lot of really awesome visual effects and screens and I still lasers say, and things that are better off being. Yeah, I, 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 I still say today, and and no matter what else I say on this podcast, uh, which would might be contradictory to this, seeing Roger Waters at the Palace was the best two hundred bucks I've ever spent on a concert, and those were mediocre seat. Uh, actually, I got a single seat. Long story, but. Uh, I was by myself um, because the dill was sitting somewhere better, <laughs> of course. <laughs> but uh, you know, so um, but you know the, that two hundred bucks was was, and, was and phenomenal. I can, it was, I can it was agree so with well you. spent. I wasn't at that same concert, but it, you I, went to Desert Trip, it, yes, and and phenomenal at Desert Trip, but not necessarily the best at Desert Trip because it's a whole different thing again. Like yeah, with visual, visual and audio. Yeah, but yes, yeah. I would, I would pay that yeah. for Roger. Waters. You know what? And I don't think the seats are as critical for him, but for other artists, right? No, I think a lot of people at the Palace really got their money's worth because of his visual show. But but see, to me, that's that's the exception. And and do I keep going to ELO and Paul McCartney and the Rolling Stones and you know you you name it, hoping to capture that great value experience that I have with Roger Waters. No, I'm like throwing my hands up. Forget well, it. I'm, I'm not going to be able to see those anyway. You know, 
And, and that doesn't bother me. Why There's is not that? the last tour thing. That, <laughs> because that, they're old. <laughs> but 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 that doesn't bother me. Like the reunion tour thing never it was important to me. The last tour thing was never important to me. You know what bothers me quite a bit and turned me off substantially regarding large shows was the hassle it was trying to get a ticket. Because you got mm. all these scalpers and stuff. Resellers. Yeah, you got resellers. Yes. These guys are gobbling up the tickets. Yes. And I'm sorry, I am not going to kill myself to get some ticket to yep. this massive show and be up in nosebleed. And my I last agree. nosebleed show where I wrote this shit all off was Tom Petty at the Palace. I was as far away yeah. as you could physically get. I think I was at that show. And he was sick. He didn't even <laughs> sing. He had the crowd singing, I'm telling Don't you, Don't be dissing on 30. my Tom Petty. I love Tom Petty. <laughs> I'm as far away. I'm beyond nosebleed. I think I'm up a tree line. And he didn't sing half the songs because he was sick. I you know, know what you're saying. And that canceled. The, uh, and rescheduled. That yeah. was the that was I just the last big a, show I went to. I don't to want Tom Petty having except. negativity. I want to add that. <laughs> no, I, I love Tom Petty. I saw Petty. Tom Petty a few months before he died, and it was one of the best shows I ever saw. He and died? it was at a big stadium. He died? Fred. <laughs> well, bottoms <laughs> up. We need a bottoms up. The Tom Petty. Tom Petty. The Tom Petty. What I will say, that is when I wrote off big shows, and I had two exceptions. Roger Waters doing The Wall. And uh, at Joe Lewis. And then the Who, shortly afterwards, at Joe Lewis. At Joe Lewis. Did you go to the Quadrophenia tour, or did you go to the no, one after? No. No. You didn't go to the Quadrophenia. No, it wasn't Quadrophenia. It was just the Who. No, the Quadrophenia was also very good at Joe wow. Lewis. Wow. Both fantastic. I didn't pay for either one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was because okay, somebody so else couldn't go. And someone offered me okay, a ticket, then, which I wouldn't have paid That's for. Like, okay, I'm going to the Wiggles if it's free, all right? So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the, the, I love the Wiggles. You are discount. Bucket Actually, I have seen the Wiggles. We will see I, like anybody yeah. for free. Well, I'm <laughs> a cheapskate, like and I like post-it <laughs> notes, so that's all so, I'm saying. Uh, so this is getting better. I do want to get back to the when you were talking about how frustrated you are with the ticket buying, because ah, I do ridiculous. get that. I mean, my... What I usually do is I got to get a line on. I'm signed up to so many, you know. Pre-sale. Yeah, Twitter feeds and emails and following all kinds of stuff. So I'm on the line of right when things are going to, pre-sales are going to start. So Have all the major that's credit that's cards. Aim. Yes, you get on there. So you're at time. work, you got three credit cards laid out. <laughs> your hand is sweating. It's on the mouse. It is very And stressful. your cursor is over by now. very stressful. And I will say F that Blatto actually. I'm gonna to I'm gonna bring over. you to Jesus, Small J, shortly. <laughs> yeah, Small J always um, bottoms up. Bottoms up. It's a little sidetrack on this, but last year Blatto ended up having to buy. We were mutually going to the same concert, and he had to buy tickets on an airplane because I did not get the code. What, what, what I was show was that? What show was that? Jack White. Oh, <laughs> that Jack White thing. So, impacted yeah. me, and I wasn't even going to the show. Yes, Fred was supposed to go to that show with us. Because my family he, got he, dissed, and they were not happy. <sighs> and you're on a plane buying tickets <laughs> for her. There was a, cons a ticket limit. <laughs> VIP, baby. Yeah, for, yeah. for a ticket mm -hmm. limit. All right. Well, but anyway, I was just gonna, it I was just going to go to Grand it, Rapids to hang out. It, it wouldn't I was be even going to the show, and I was kind of pissed. So, if, but if you fail on this whole, it is very stressful, and there are fails. I mean, like that Jack White <laughs> thing. There's a fail when it comes down to like you need a special Greta Van code Fleet was a you fail. Don't have it? Yes, Greta Van Fleet was a fail for me. Bucket and others. Blatto succeeded, but 
if it fails, then that a lot of the problem is like what you were saying, Fred, about the, the resellers I, and the scalpers. Before we get off on the uh, uh, to, to some other topics about cost, because I got some numbers here. I am the you are the tax man. Uh, yeah, you're the tax stat man. man. Oh God, he is the nine point oh is working nine, well. You <laughs> almost got that right. I'm signing off. See ya. And uh, anyway. Uh, one of the questions, one of the conversations or topics that I had with uh, the Dill today was, what is the right size venue? Because if you have not a living room, okay, Fred, <laughs> if you if, if what we have here in Detroit is we have Little Caesars, which is twenty thousand. Now, however, they cut that down. They they cut off a third of the or the back of the stadium for you know it's probably for six, concert seating. Sixteen when it's done, but then they have main floor. So whatever that you know what I mean. So there's. No, it's there. all. It does come out to like twenty or twenty-one thousand. And and, and, LCA. and and then you have. I think if you take the outdoor venues, it's a little less. And then you have the Fox, which is like five thousand, and then you have the Fillmore, which is like four thousand. Is the is the sweet spot what's missing? Is the sweet spot the ten to twelve thousand, the eight to twelve thousand seat stadium? And this is where I wanted to go. I want to do a shout out for our listeners. Please put on our Facebook page, okay, Bottoms Up Facebook page, your favorite venues in your towns or in your countries. What are your favorite venues that, that cool. are awesome where you can hear a concert and you love seeing a concert there? No, because I, I would love to hear that. That, yeah. that would be awesome. Because we, we travel a fair amount. Right. And, and, and one of the things that I was talking about with Dill was the Fox is really not that great. The sight lines in the Fox could be better. Fillmore is better. The Fillmore is better. I do have to comment the on Fox the Fox is beautiful. A bit. It's beautiful. Just because the last concert I saw, which was far too long ago, a whole two months ago, I'm in withdrawal. But anyway, that there was a comment made about the acoustics in the Fox being really good, and I have to say it did seem like really good acoustics. Um, the seating itself was not the most comfortable, and... Right, right. We're just talking about the seating and the sight yeah. lines, and 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 that you know, I I kind of agree that the sight lines um, on main floor because main the or not main floor, what I guess is main floor, but they're seats, but uh, it's not elevated. It, it it's almost bowl shaped. It's it's not a great. Right. Um, I think but it's you know, I, built but for plays. If you're like in the mezzanine area, it's still going to be pretty good view. The, or, First couple or rows mezzanine. Yeah. 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 Uh, we were talking about cost and uh, just some stats on cost. The most, expensive, stat, the most expensive concert ticket uh, offered in 1965 was the Beatles at Shea Stadium. $5.65. <laughs> now, if you equate that to today's dollars... That would be seeing the Beatles for $44.72. Still a bargain. Heck yeah. So concert costs Ooh. have risen at a much higher rate than inflation and cost of living and, you know, you know, however they calculate dollars from back in air. And, and, and uh, one of the things that came up in this little search I did was um, the most expensive ticket published was... Uh, at the same stadium, so it used to be Shea, now it's MetLife, 2014 to go see One Direction was $900. That's all? That's a published price. <laughs> well, I thought it'd be more, actually. 
Well, it, some I don't know uh, if a published price has gotten over a thousand bucks, but it's still crazy. Mm. The resale value was forty eight hundred oh. for that uh, ticket. Oh, okay. I like to call One Direction a teeny bobber band. Some of those teeny bobber bands, they really get the cash for those. It's amazing. The other thing that I learned in this search was that not all cities change charge the same amount for concert tickets. This kind of blew my mind. You figure that it's, you know. You know, if you're going on tour and you have your concert ticket, this is your price. I mean, you got to pay, you got to rent the venue and blah, blah, blah. But when you look at total cost, we actually are the benefactors here in Michigan. Because concerts in Grand Rapids are one of the cheapest well, Grand than Rapids any other. The, they, yeah, I've been thinking Grand Rapids in itself is pretty amazing because it's like unknown yep. or something. So the average cost for a ticket in Grand Rapids, which would include Van Andel Arena, and that's probably about 12000 15000 I mean, that's kind of in that sweet spot. I saw the wall there. Mm-hmm. Uh, 7309 Compare that to going to see a concert in Los Angeles. Average price, 127 Yeah, that is pretty crazy discrepancy. Yeah, yeah. And then all but, the uh, cities in between that. that Actually, I didn't but the, see that as that much discrepancy because L.A. is per, a big ticket. Percent, it's a pretty big discrepancy. I mean, this is an aggregate of all concerts, all shows. So, you know. But it, California in general, though, they get a lot more offerings, which is what makes them better. I mean, there's a lot of artists I would like to see that don't come mm-hmm. here ever to Michigan. Detroit comes Everybody in. Everybody always goes to California. Detroit comes in at $86.3. Dollars. Per show, you know. Um, but certainly ticket prices have risen significantly. And I think there's a reason for that. And I, and, and I think the main reason is that bands can't make any money doing recorded music anymore. Yes, I agree, absolutely. Um, that is the biggest reason. And I've heard certain artists say it. I definitely heard an interview with Roger Daltrey where he said it. He was pretty upset actually at how they can't make any money anymore you know from their okay if they don't go on the road they don't make any money so are we the benefactors then because because it does seem like there's a lot more concerts nowadays well i think also part of it when it comes to like the rock stuff like all the older artists like they kind of realize this is their last shot they're not making money from recordings and they're getting old and so it is about the greenbacks i told you fred (laughs) <laughs> I don't think it's totally about that, but maybe for some of them, they're thinking, well, this is like my last chance to make a few dollars and then retire type thing. Yeah. I, I don't know how much is just, you know, the whole reunion thing. Um, you know, how much they, they, they want to get out and, and, and play and, and, and feel the, the, the charge of the crowd. One um, thing about the venue also is, I mean, who, who are your... <clears throat> wanting to see it more open. The smaller venues aren't the well-known people. So if you're more open to... That's a good point, Big yes. Pig. Um, um, and and, and one, of the, one of the things I like to say about smaller venues is are you more likely to find new artists, to find new music? Yes. So, for instance, I just went to a club down in Mexican Village and saw Larkin Poe. Which is, you know, a band that we saw at a festival. Yes. Two sisters. Awesome band. And they were awesome. And now I've discovered this. I would call them a micro club because they're smaller than what I'd call small venue. club? It's called the L Club. E-L Club. 
and they're kind of on my radar now. Where's that? Uh, right in Mexican Village. Oh, okay. It's a Mexican would, town in Mexican Village. And for but, the record, but, I would have been there with Blatto if I could have, but and, work intervened. But, but now, <laughs> so I, I was going through the Who's Coming list with my sister, and she was like, oh, they're pretty good. And she's in Seattle, so a little bit more hip on the new music scene than the Midwest, honestly. And she was like, oh, I've heard of that band. You might want to go check out them. You might want to go check out them. So the, the, the smaller venues can kind of, you know, open you up to... Yes, absolutely. New music. I mean, you're not going to find new music at Little Caesars. Nope. Except, as the Dill pointed out to me today. It's startup bands. Right, right. Bands. the opening bands, yeah. yes. Yeah. But, but even then. Well, actually, but, but no, in reality, you bring up Larkin Poe, that is where I discovered them. They opened for Bob Seger. Mm-hmm. When I saw Bob Seger a couple of years ago, they were the I didn't know band. That. that was the first time I heard them, and I loved them from the get-go. I... Um, you know, uh, Piggy had mentioned the size of the venue, and I came across this site, uh, uh, this, to- this this article, okay, I- excuse me, it's the, it's the cherry, um, <laughs> from Business Insiders, and it said, four reasons to never see a stadium show. Number one, acoustics are awful. Usually. Number two, the sight lines are bad. Always. And then there was no three and four. <laughs> so, so I ask you. The article just very cut off. interesting. So I just ask you. I, I, I think it's I, like I by default here. Three and four are implied, right? What would number three and fours be? Well, what's the exact question again? The, cost too much four money. Right. Never to see a stadium nice. show. Well, this is interesting. Oh, you should, what, you got? what you got? Parking. Oh, uh, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Although parking's we were going to a small little venue last small. weekend and parking sucked. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was going to say. And that's Almost on you, I must have well, hit this... refresh on this article nine times, figuring, where's the next page? Where's the next page? And it, just, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was an old article. So uh, it was just, that page was just gone. It was off the internet. Well, the this, this stadium thing is interesting. You should bring this up because... Uh, the Rolling Stones just announced I know, a North American going. tour, and not I wanted good. to go very badly because I loved them the last time I saw Can't them. Can't do it. And so did the pig. <laughs> yeah, we have. All right. So but what's the ticket the, cost the, for that? Well, that's the thing. Like they're absurd. They, I mean, they're, they're, they don't even care. Blatto has, a, has a point. This article Pink. has a point. Like the pink. The I mean, well, part of the problem was they're not traveling near me geographically. If they were, Chicago. they would change it. But, uh, yeah, we were considering Chicago. But, yeah, cost of the tickets, the hotels, See, Chicago. Me, as I, soon I, as there's a concert coming, they I, jack up their prices, and hotels are expensive enough as it is in Chicago. I don't like the cost, but I don't like the venue more. That's If but, they were playing in yes, Comerica, you've, you've, I wouldn't go. But I know what you're saying, Blotto, because you're far away. I mean, they do. Yeah. Do I want to spend 900 bucks to get a good seat? And I still feel like... Yeah, you know, I'm I'm still not sure it's. It's a know. tough call. When now, I when I saw them last, it was at Desert Trip, which was seventy thousand people, but it wasn't really what I would consider a stadium venue. Now let's talk about. They did about, it right. They had really good sound system. They had huge screens, so you could see. So for that, it was worth it. Now but, the pros of the big stadium show is one you get to see bands that are big, right? The other one is some people, and. You know, I, I did invite him to be here tonight, the Dill. But but his point was, he likes the stadium show because he is energized by fifty thousand people 
all into the same thing that he's into. And I do actually understand that. And I've experienced that myself, and I can relate to that. I don't know if I've ever experienced that. That's the problem that I have. I just don't know. I have felt it. I felt it when I saw Tom Petty. I felt it when I saw Fleetwood Mac. Even even though I loved seeing Roger Waters at the Palace, and I thought that was an incredible experience, it wasn't because of the people around me. It was because of just... Right. The performance. He's kind of a different athlete, right, right. I would say. So I don't, but, you know, but 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 seeing ELO but I, I was not one of those experiences like, oh, everyone else loves telephone line, and so I love it more too. No, it just didn't, didn't resonate. For me, did Jeff Lynn for have me, an afro? Of course he did. Of course yeah. he did. Right. Yeah, it fell off a couple times. I was at so. the same ELO. And it was rainbow colored? <laughs> like a clown. <laughs> I was at that same ELO with Blotto, and I do know a lot of what you're saying, but for me, that concert was more about the visuals. It wasn't as good as Roger Waters, but they had really good visuals. They had a lot of lasers, really good screens. Lasers. <laughs> yeah. Well, But as far as the crowd, that I wasn't feeling it at ELO, but I have felt it at Paul McCartney for sure. I mean, feeling that group bonding where everybody's kind of singing and dancing. There's like a power you feel. It's like an electricity, a power. Yeah, and that cool. is cool. No, that I, is really I've, cool. That really is cool. a bonus of the bigger crowd. It's just a different thing. Than the I think smaller. you can feel that in the smaller crowds too, but it's more of a camaraderie. But you're not going to feel 50,000, right? I mean, you know, when I just went and saw Larkin Poe and there was you know, 300 people crammed in a 100-people spot. <laughs> well, you said you didn't feel it anyway. You didn't feel the 50,000 either. No, I was... I was I, I didn't say it. I, I, yeah, I said I wouldn't feel it in the 50,000. But also, have you? the question is simply, have you felt that? I thought you said no. Oh, uh, in the smaller venues. I, I didn't answer exactly. that one way or another. I gotta, <laughs> that's a good question. Fair, fair enough. When I think about some of the great shows that I've seen in a small venue, am I still just into myself? <laughs> you know, uh, Robin Trower, the first time that I saw him at Royal Oak Music Theater. Yeah, absolutely. You're, that was very, so I, 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 it was an amazing two experience. Two of the best concerts. But I was into myself. Yeah. Row, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fred, you missed. <laughs> you really missed next on time. that one. You really, really missed it on happens. that one. Well, I want to. Trust me next time when I say. Well, when you guys talk it. about the camaraderie, we need to get back to, you brought up the festival thing, because that's a whole other thing, but camaraderie, like the pig mentioned, that's what I feel in the festival experience. Yeah. I, Did I we have a lot of camaraderie mm-hmm. in the last festival we went to? Well... <laughs> I personally did. Around. I mean, when I when you were there and it was all raining and everybody was suffering. <laughs> um. Suffering. Did you hear that? Uh, suffering leads yeah. me to my point. There all was together. Yeah. All right. For, for those for those listening, there was suffering because it rained the entire day. Which festival was it? Tell them which festival. It was Bourbon and Beyond in Louisville, Kentucky. But I will Look personally it say it was still one of the funnest times of my life that day. Uh, the festival experience is unique, and only certain people yeah. can get into it. I'm not going to deny it. There's a there's a meme out there about it. Waiting in line for. Going to the bathroom and all these bad things, the weather and all that. But then in the end, the person says, "How you know?" Someone asks him, "How was your weekend?" Awesome. <laughs> and that is my. I've only been to two festivals, but that is my experience. Uh, now, have you ever been to a festival? I loved it. <laughs> uh, I've been to a small folk festival. Oh, you did the uh, the woods or whatever they call it, folk in the woods. Yeah. Yep. Which. Coincidentally, Fred, you are wearing uh, Native Howl, which they were there. Yep, 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 so, yep. Nice. And a lot of my experience was more 
small venues that Ben with Native Howl, and it's it's great for like a like a faster pace rock band type um, to really get into it. And yeah, yeah. that is, that's sort of like, hey, I'm out here in the middle of nowhere. Um, it rained on us a few times, I think, yep. out there at Folk in the Woods. And how would you feel about it? I mean, it was it was great. Yeah, yeah, see, like so. just <laughs> dancing in the mud That's and what I just mean. Like, uh, I was walking through mud, head bobbing, <laughs> and it was fantastic. There's a threshold. See, Nobs knows it's, what it's I'm a talking threshold. about. <laughs> they're, they're, dancing in the mud is yeah. okay. Hey, but it, ironically, I'm wearing a tool shirt right now, to which I saw at a large venue, yeah. DTE, aka Pine Knob, and that was equally as amazing for me. Cause I and was there I, with, and I like that you say that because that's how I feel. Yeah. Like they're all all these venues can have their own awesome experiences. For, yeah, exactly. But they won't uh, complain too much. <laughs> about any concert, <laughs> about any live music. We're going. We're, we're, we're going. All right, well, that's a bottoms up. Bottoms up. All right. Well, what I'm going to interject here is my favorite venue for concerts these days is the Ark in Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. It's probably only 200, That's, That goes into the micro. It's micro, and it is fantastic. And you'll, you will see people yeah. there that are worthy and can play. Leif. Leif El Sadi. You know, he's amazing. Huge stadium shows, yeah. but they the play there, there because so it's long. hallowed ground. Yeah. That place but, yeah. was played by anybody in the, the folk world, the folk rock yeah. world, through the years. And the tickets are amazing. I'm not going to get yeah. raped over a concert I ticket. I can concur yeah. with The this. most I've ever spent at the uh, the Ark is 50 bucks, and it was for John Hyatt. And it was worth it. But on average, every ticket I bought there probably averaged 20 bucks. And the shows that I've seen, if you get there early, your front row were literally... They're, they can sweat on you. That's yeah. how close they are to you. It's I mean, freaking amazing. The I mean, you don't even awesome. hear the PA. You're you are under the PA. You're hearing the so monitors. That's you're 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 under the monitors yeah. with the musicians. Yeah, right. They're, the music is behind you. Yeah. So yeah. all this big stadium stuff. Well, eh, no, I can't no. relate. It's not me. Yeah. The L Club. The R. I put in that group. In St. Hill. Andrews. Yeah. I put in that group. You know, uh, Callahan's, which you have yes. yet to go to, we're going to go. I'm looking forward to it. It is fabulous. Can't wait to see it. All right. But there, I don't know, I just was thinking, like, there's, like, I Neil Young comes to mind because, like, a few years ago, we got this Groupon opportunity to see Neil Young at Pine Knob for $20 a ticket, and we took our kids. We've been trying to get our teenage kids to see everybody while they got a chance, and that was $20 and was phenomenal. But then you see Neil, you know, two hundred dollars, whatever. It's it can vary so widely depending on. Uh, we saw Neil at the Fox, I believe, an acoustic show. Yeah, it was a great show. All right, we got to wrap it up. So oh, wait a second. Pot- oh, what do you got? Hold there? on, Frederico. Speaking of bottoms up, a friend of mine from work who's <laughs> oh. a, who's a big oh, fan God, of the pod. His name is Cholito. Okay. Over a Christmas vacation, he was in Mexico. And he had to bring back a little gift to us. Oh, the yeah. Grand Orandian, or in, I, I guess it's a little bottle, of kilo of Raspado. So I like Raspado. It's the that's the medium grade. It's I, orange. I believe it's three or four shots. So he insisted, since we like to do the bottoms up thing, that we 
Oh, Open this okay. bottle, pass it around. All right, well, let's go. Camaraderie. Uh, Fred, uh, See? I'm two final absolutions <laughs> and a cherry stout <laughs> in right now. <laughs> Hey. Dude, this is this is Cholito. The knobs yeah. are turning the wrong way. I don't know what's going on. And this on. is why we call it One Shot Studios. Do you remember the Victoria? Ah, there we go. All right, bottoms up. Bottoms up. All around, all around. Ladies next. Oh, I should have done ladies first. I apologize. Bottoms up. Let me taste. You want to you want to review up. it? It's tequila. I don't know. Tequila. I'm not. I don't know tequila. So, Respato. So Respato, you you have basically different grades of tequila, but you have blanco, Respato, and anejo. And anejo is like your dark tequilas. Blancos are obviously your your clear. Respatos are the ones that are in between. That's why it's got that slight yellowish color, which is kind of weird for Respato. Should be a little bit more. Um, I'm not this a, came from like I'm Mexico not a tequila City, expert so. like Blato, but I do think this has a really nice taste to it. Ah, it's like easy it. finish. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. it. All right. All right. Well, anyways, I thought I'd sneak in Cholito's uh, Potoms up. Thank you, Cholito. Anytime he, people yes. are supplying alcohol, thank you, we appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Well, I guess uh, we're yeah. going to wrap it up. We'd yeah. like to thank Bucket and Pig for joining us this thank week. Thank you for having us. Follow us on Facebook and all those other places. Nobs, do your thing. No, that's not. Yeah, <laughs> he's got to. He's got to earn his keep. We've lost them already. All right. Been too long? Yeah. Bottoms up. Bottoms up. Out. Out. Because, baby, I hate Because, baby, I hate you. Cause baby, I hate you. Cause